So I, I was traveling, and uh, obviously I experienced a lot of exciting stuff about other cultures that weren't my own. But sometimes the best things in life are at home, because while abroad, <laughs> and for reasons I don't fully remember, I started reading the reviews of snack foods on walmart.com. <laughs> <laughs> and oh boy when in paris (laughs) yes this was in morocco um let me tell you pringles has some fans huh the best ones are all the ones that are like two stars like but then they'll just be like the top review on some of these will be five stars the jones family loves pringles photos of like grandma and grandpa no pringles in the shots (laughs) Just like, here is my family at a family gathering at which we all enjoyed some delicious Pringles. These are the true chip tips. Oh, it's beautiful, dude. I love it. Um, I would really recommend just going around that walmart.com website and looking at the user reviews because they are all insane. (laughs) Also, apparently Frito-Lay is incapable of shipping somebody a chip that is not next to its expiration date. Other thing you learn, a lot of negative reviews for Frito-Lay. I guess that like, if you were... If you were desperate enough to order chips online, you probably, they figure they're going to eat them right away. Uh, Well, these are generally the ones I was reading were for like the snack pack. Like here's a bunch of small chip bags. And then it would be like a grandmother reviewing them and being like, I like these because they get soft enough that I can chew them. (laughs) (laughs) Like truly, it's amazing. The effort and like, the things that people think, it's like they're reviewing the chip because this element of chip quality has not been addressed in the other reviews, and it is a weird place to be when you're like, what are people valuing in chips these days? Softness. Softness. Gummability. Uh, yeah, or sometimes that crunch. Um, Gotta love that crunch. There's some weird Cheez-It varieties that people have feelings on. Can you buy munchos via... Walmart, because those we can't find those out here. No, I've I've had munchos here. Really? Yeah. Oh, will you get me some next time you see them? Oh, definitely, dude. I love a muncho. Me too. Hello, and welcome to the Zero Stars Podcast, a podcast about Marvel movies and increasing contrarianism. My name is Bob. My name is Matt. And we're going to talk about Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Yeah, uh, we're not going to talk about video games at all. Did you play video games? I did. I played Apex Legends with you. Oh, yeah, dude. That was cool. That new map is pretty good. That's a good game. Yeah. All right, so uh, we watched Captain America, the Winter Soldier. The Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, (laughs) A movie whose title I had to have you explain to me at the end of it. (laughs) Even though they say explicitly what what it's all about. I don't think that they ever use the word winter in that movie. Oh, they do. They do? They call Bucky directly the Winter Soldier. Do they say why? Yeah, because he's the frozen soldier. That's exactly what I told you before. Like, did he die in winter? He was in the Alps. No, they froze him. Anyway, I think that we just spoiled the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start this over. We watched Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Um, 
This is a 2014 movie from the Russo brothers. Russo right? Bros. Joe and Elmer Russo. <laughs> oh man, we are loose today. Um, yeah, this is the first of the Russo Bros movies, and then they will go on to make Civil War, the other Captain America movie, yeah. and then they will make the, the, the final, final two, two. Avengers. Yeah. So they earned the trust of the MCU powers that be. And I think we'll get more into this later, but I certainly understand why Marvel was like, these guys are an investment. Oh, definitely. Because the things that they are good at, it strikes me, are the things that you cannot teach. They have a very intuitive sense of some of the elements of filmmaking. Yeah. And I think that they're the sort of guys that can elevate certain elements of a bad script and given a good script, could do really amazing things. I would agree. So let's just jump right into this recap. <laughs> recap in America. Oh, very good. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah, that's still good. <laughs> so uh, we open with a very cold open. I think it's a good open. It's a, Yeah, it's a good open. Made me warm. There's a, a man running around Washington, D.C. Yeah, doing laps of like the National Mall. Yeah. And he keeps getting lapped by a man who's running very fast. <laughs> It's really good. It's a great you, scene. You immediately know that that is Captain America. Oh, and they've gotten so much better at making somebody running really fast look like look good. Yeah. I think that the best part, though, is that when you first see the guy running, you're like, ah, Captain America gets up early to go yes. for a jog. And then you realize it is not Captain <laughs> and then America. he just gets blazed by yeah. repeatedly. Um, so Captain America passes this dude like six times. And he's like on your left every single time. It's great. Yeah. Um, and now they stop for a breather under a tree. And turns out it's time to become fast friends. Yeah, so we've got um, Captain America, Steve Rogers. And then this other guy is Sam Wilson, who is a... Um, he flew for the U.S. Air Force, Air Force I guess. I think he but says a, something to a, that effect. They're both vets, basically. Yeah, and they kind of talk about how they had... they've had trouble adjusting to civilian life and you get the sense that like this guy runs a support group for people with PTSD and yeah. like former veterans. I guess you're only, you have to be a former veteran. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's like a real kindling of a bromance here. Yeah. It's actually, it's, it's, they have good chemistry. Yeah. These two very Sam recommends a record, you know, it's just total bros yeah. being bros, a bro down. And Captain America has like a list of things that he needs to like catch up on. Yes. Like from the past, you know, five <laughs> decades. Yeah. Apparently, um, in different, like different parts of the world, they change that list depending on where the oh, film was shown. Oh, that's great. So there's different versions of that list. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense other than the fact that it always happens in America. Yes, so true. why would he be looking into like, well, this is like really interesting. I think to that's people Marvel. Paris. Marvel is just trying to, to appease China. And I think in most cases, oh. um, do you think that they CGI that list, which is written handwritten in a notebook? So it's like in Chinese characters. Dude, I bet that they didn't CGI it. I bet that they have. I bet that they did various insert shots. They huh. just had him hold various ones because it's a close or just up. some hand. Yeah, they can or get some any hand, hand model. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my hands could be Steve Rogers' hands. Yeah. The rest of me, you know the difference. But my hands, pretty good chance. He's got muscular knuckles. Um, so yeah, so uh, they're they're having a good time when suddenly Steve gets uh, a call and Natasha on drives his by. normal ass <laughs> smartphone. Yes, 
his very normal smartphone. And Natasha drives up and is like, quippy quip, quip quip. We gotta go. Yeah, get in, loser. I'll explain on the way. Yeah. And uh, they they drive all the way to a tanker somewhere in like the South Pacific. Well, no, they like are on a plane yeah. and they gave they gave Captain America a real cool like stealth Captain America suit. Yes, it's like a sneaking suit, very Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, they desaturated his shield. Yeah. And they're on the plane with this SWAT team, and everyone is going to try and infiltrate this shield tanker that has been taken over by some like renegade, renegade hostage taker. And there's bad some dudes. Yeah, hostage. It's a hostage situation. So uh, they dive in, and this is one of the best scenes, oh. action scenes I've seen. In, like, as far as combat is concerned, is it the best action scene I've seen in any of these Marvel movies? In just like hand to hand, visceral everything. Yeah. It's the not, execution on this is insane. It's not as exciting to me as like uh, Tony's house being blown up yeah. in Iron Man 3 because the sense of danger there is greater. But this is just like, it is kinetic. <laughs> oh my God. The yeah. sound design alone is just like, give him the Oscar. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. From a technical perspective, every technical Oscar should have just been this. I don't know what else came out against it. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah. It is It is very, very good. Whoa. So Steve and Natasha and the SWAT team come in and it's very like modern warfare meets Metal Gear Solid and they basically save the hostages. But then Steve realizes that Natasha had a different like objective as well and he yeah. finds her downloading um something off the ship's computer mm-hmm. onto a flash drive onto a flash there's a lot of flash drives this, in this movie, movie is heavy on the flash drives yeah yeah this is movies 20 very 2014 in that sense i guess i feel like flash drives were even a little past yeah that's then. true you think that we would have had the cloud i guess it's more secure than the cloud yeah it's like it's air gapped <laughs> as we say in the cybersecurity realm um Cool. So I think that like there's other stuff that happens on the tanker, but it's all like. But the fighting. stuff that matters on the tanker is Steve Rogers punching people in a very beautiful way. Yeah, and it, this movie is very violent. That's yeah. That's a good point. It only gets more violent from here too. Yes. There are a lot of guns in this movie. Yeah, and the gunplay is extremely matter of fact. Yeah. Uh, and they say that they base some of this movie on like I read a thing with them talking about that their model for a lot of the combat and stuff was the heist and heat oh yes and like the Mm. gun reports and stuff in this are so informed by that just like ultra heightened sound design yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah uh this movie punches oh my god punch it is insane everything sounds really messed up it does yeah even though there's no blood no conveniently but you or you see these people get shot and you're like those people are dead. <laughs> Captain America though kind of doesn't kill. Yeah, it's really mostly Natasha who kills. Yeah, but like he throws that shield into in people's faces and I don't think this locates some jaws for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. So in any case, Natasha has downloaded this information. Steve had no idea. He's like, "What's on the drive?" And Natasha's like, uh, "Nick had me do this." Yeah. So um, we go back to uh, America in Washington, D.C., where Steve meets with Nick Fury, I believe, at this point. Yeah, I think so. And he confronts Nick, and he's like, what's on the hard drive? And Nick is like, there's things about S.H.I.E.L.D. that you don't know. And they get in that elevator. And then Nick Fury begins talking to computers, and you have this realization that you have throughout this movie, which is that Nick Fury's only friend 
is his Siri computer. <laughs> Nick spends so much time talking to machines. No one else communicates no one with else. machines via... Uh, that's actually not true. Later on, somebody communicates to, with a machine, but not the way that Nick Fury is working with his personal assistant. Yes, he is just talking to the machine, and then this machine keeps asking him for his password, and he goes, Fury, Nicholas J. And he says, Fury, Nicholas J. at least three times, and is always kind of dumb. Lest you forget who he is. Anyways, he reads Paul... Uh, Paul Rogers. <laughs> He reads Steve Rogers in on this uh, secret plan that the government has, that S.H.I.E.L.D. has, where they have built three brand new flying aircraft carriers like the ones from the Avengers. They go down to a hangar and we spend the next 20 minutes of the film staring at slow panning shots of these aircraft carriers. Well, Nick Fury talks about how S.H.I.E.L.D. has this plan to minority report criminals before they are criminals. Like terrorists is, yeah. I think, the phrase he used rather than criminals. But That's it's just true. like, point. we're going to apparently fly these aircraft carriers all over the world and they're just going to blow up terrorists before they even have a chance. These aircraft carrier shots... Aircraft carriers are the swimsuit models of these movies. Like, swimsuit models are the swimsuit models for Sports Illustrated. Like, you're there for something else, but then occasionally, like, once a year, it's just like, here's a bunch of pornographic shots of something. Like, <laughs> the aircraft carriers are all, like, vaguely wet. They are. They're always, like, dripping and, like, like coming up out, out of the, of the water. water. <laughs> like, it is so stupid, and I hate it. I just, I have no interest in it. And they clearly spend an enormous amount of the effects budget on these dumb aircraft carriers. And, like, not just that, but, like, the design of these things is so complicated that they must be, they must be hiring people f whose jobs are just to make up. Like, oh, yeah. Like, the aircraft carriers I, I of five minutes cool in the future. Looking. But, like, it's just... But they just who 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 is this for? Is what it, I want. I mean, know. this is for the part of me that bought the books for Star Wars that are like the expanded view of oh, okay. like an X-ray of the whole Millennium Falcon, where you can see all the rooms and be like, oh, that's where all the rooms are and where the engines are and where they keep the gas and all this stuff. But I don't need that in the actual movie. I would prefer that we just like pan by it once and I go, that's an aircraft carrier. Yeah, you don't. And then need... I can go buy the book if I want. Yeah. Whereas I see these movies and I become tired of them before they have even left the screen. Very good point. So anyway, back to the plot itself. Oh, yeah. Um, there was a movie attached to these aircraft carriers. So Nick explains this plan to Steve, and Steve is like, I don't know if I like this. And Nick is like, well, there's something else going on, but he can't talk about it right now because he's received the uh, the data from uh, from ScarJo as Black Widow, as Natasha Romanoff. I can never remember what we call her. All um, three. All three. So, But he hasn't been able to crack the data that she got for him yet. So that's on the flash hard, drive. On the flash drive. So I think at this point, um, Steve takes some time off. I think this is where the nightmare scene comes in. Okay. So Steve goes to visit Peggy. This is not a nightmare for Steve, I should clarify. And Steve is awake. And we should remember that Peggy is his love interest from the original. From Captain the original, America. yeah. Well, back in, when back in the 1940s, he fell in love with uh, this British agent who is for some reason working with the Americans. Um, and they never got to go on their date because... Steve was you know, crashed that crashed space, that space plane, plane. <laughs> um, uh, which is really just as high tech as the space planes that we apparently have nowadays. But. Oh, it had propellers. Yeah. Um, in any case, he goes to visit Peggy. Peggy is very old, but she seems to remember Steve and it seems as though they have a rapport and they're talking and worth noting 
Peggy is terrifying looking <laughs> because instead of prosthetics or instead of hiring another actor, they have the actor who played young Peggy lie in this bed and then they digitally age her in the most horrific way <laughs> I've ever seen. The most distracting thing in the world. Because so the arc of this scene is that they're having a conversation and you think that they know one like that she knows who it is. Yeah. And then you realize at the end of it that she has dementia. And she doesn't know it's Steve Rogers. And it's very affecting. I, well, it should be. It should be. This, as, as On a, paper. On paper, <laughs> yes. it is surprisingly affecting for a dumb superhero As movie. a scene, it is. it touches on a lot of, I think, very common fears and uh, feelings um, and should be really emotional. Instead, you spend the entire time looking between the screen and the person next to you going like, is that a digital face? Is that... She doesn't... Is that fake? Why would why would they do that? Like you you can't stop thinking about it because every once in a while you're like, no, it's real. No, no, it's not no, it's real. Not real. It's not real. No. Wait, is it practical? Is it partially practical? Yeah. Turns out, none how of do it they was do practical. it? No, yeah. it's terrible. It is so offensive uh, because it really undermines a lot of hard work that was done <laughs> and was totally needless. Because I guess she didn't want to sit in makeup for three hours. Or just hire a different actor. It just, it really doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um, no, agreed. There's got to be older, aging British actresses. Who you assume. I don't know. Do Maybe. In the US. What was Maggie Smith doing? <laughs> That's it. What was Maggie Smith doing? <laughs> where was, hashtag where was Maggie Smith? <laughs> yes, there it is. Um, so anyway, we get this moment. Then Steve goes to check out the museum which is there's a museum for Captain America, which has got like, it looks suspiciously like the Holocaust Museum in many ways, which makes me wonder whether in this earth, Steve somehow stopped the Holocaust. And now instead of the Holocaust Museum, we have this shrine to, this Captain, shrine America. to Captain America. I don't know. But um, it is a classic museum thing where it's like Steve Rogers rejected for his poor health became Captain America. Yeah. Like that total thing. This voiceover is talking. Yep. Yeah. And it tells us if we missed the first film, what happened in the first film. Yeah. There's even interviews with young Peggy. Yep. In it. So you um, meet Peggy and in this, we are reminded of the death of Bucky. Yeah. Bucky Barnes, who is Roger's best friend. Um, and at, for a little while they fought, in World War II together before Bucky fell from a train. Yeah, got knocked out of a train. Got knocked out of a train and died, which was yeah. really traumatic for Steve and something that he hasn't totally let go of. Understandably. Yeah, I get that. Um, meanwhile, Nick Fury is trying to talk to his computer and as <laughs> he finds out that the password, Fury Nicholas J., no longer works. It's been reset. Someone uh, hacked him. Yeah, somehow some there's some ghost in this shell, <laughs> and he doesn't know what to do. So he goes and meets with Robert Redford, who is the head of like not like internal security. I believe he's the secretary of internal security. Is his title. Also, his character's name is Alexander Pierce, but this is the dumbest name. It's a pretty good name. We're gonna know. We're just gonna call him Robert Redford. Robert Redford in this movie needs no digital help to look old as hell. Oh, he's eighty three. That dude is so old. His face is so lined, so craggy. Alex Honnold will climb that man's face in an upcoming film in one attempt. It is ridiculous. His face has so many lines on it. More lines in this script. Um, oh. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's kind of a long movie. So, uh, 
Fury meets with Robert Redford. Um, Redford is, like I said, he's the Secretary of Internal Security. He's also like part of the the international group that runs Shield. Yeah, because there's this like shadowy group of governmental officials from various countries yeah. that control Shield ostensibly. So Fury is basically the head of Shield. So uh, or Fury is not. Uh, Fury reports to Robert Redford, who's basically the head of the American end of Shield. And uh, and he asks like, why was my password changed? What's going on? Something sneaky. Yeah, something something sneaky's fishy going here. On. Is Loki the trickster about? <laughs> and Robert Redford is like, it's fine, bro. It's fine. Like, chill out. Um, have you seen Sundance? Like, yeah. I <laughs> but he, I think that he also like Fury at this point expresses doubts about the fact that they're gonna minority report people. Yes. And Robert Redford is like, a- bro. We've come this far. We built these sweet aircraft carriers. Would you like to look at them more? <laughs> um, <laughs> he brings up on his phone a bunch yeah, of slow panning slow. shots, and they watch for several minutes. I assume that there must be like military meetings that consist of basically that, yeah. <laughs> where all the generals sit around and go, like, we did a good job. Um, so Nick is not assuaged. Is that a word? Yes. Okay. He's Nick not is, that. He smells a rat. So he goes down to his car and he's driving around DC and he's going to meet up with uh, Maria Hill, uh, Kobe Smulders from How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. The star of this film. Along the way, some cops decide to pull him over. <laughs> Nick Fury is pulled over by the cops and is disgruntled by this. But all of a sudden, the cops. And when we say pulled over, we mean that he is boxed in by four, by cop, four cars cop cars that crash into his vehicle. Need for speed style. Yeah. Um, and then they try, so like, it turns out that these cops are not really cops as Nick Fury's computer car tells him. Yeah. Cause he asks the computer, his best friend, if there are cops about, and then he says, get me out of here. And the computer's like, I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> there are no cops around. These are not actual cops. No. They are bad guys. Bad dudes. Bad dudes. And they are literally using a battering ram to try and break down his, his like, driver's side window yeah so they're trying to get into nick fury's bulletproof robot car nick fury tells the robot to drive away but also to wait waits for the last possible moment and then pulls out a machine gun that is built into this car a legit gatling gun (laughs) and then just shoots everyone he kills hundreds of fake cops and then there is a car chase or maybe the car chase was before that no this is the car chase now he gets out there is and there's an incredible car chase chase. so cool just very very good so well directed like all of the cars are getting smashed up in this way where you can tell that they've removed a lot of structural parts of these cars so yeah. that they'll just like blow up and gets crushed in new and interesting ways. Um, it's crunchy. Yeah, really good. Uh, eventually, though, Nick Fury's car flips over. He is trapped yeah, and in his the car, car. His car flips over, I believe, because a man shows up out of nowhere and like explodes his car with a grenade. Yeah. This man is no ordinary fake cop. No, he is the anime Joker. He's got a metal arm <laughs> and a face mask and long, strang- stringy hair. Yes, strangy hair. Strangy hair. <laughs> <laughs> this is not Sebastian Stan looking his best. No, this dude looks rough, but he also loves to kill. He yeah. is extremely good at it, and he has a cool anime robot arm. Yeah, so he's coming over. He's going to take down Nick Fury. Yeah. And Nick is like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. And uh, uh, this guy who we learn is the Winter Soldier. We will learn is the Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Pulls Winter Soldier. off. 
pulls off Nick Fury's door. But alas, Nick Fury has dig dug his way out of here using some sort of lightsaber to literally open a hole in the ground and displaces tons of concrete and and dirt in order to slip into a subway system. I, I just want it known that this movie is a strange combination of the most believable and tactile combat of any of these movies with the stuff that makes the least sense in any of them. We will talk later about how during the marketing campaign for this, they constantly compared it to three days of the, of a, of the Condor and like Parallax View and all of these like, and all the President's Men, like all these political thrillers. But this is also a movie where Nick Fury has a lightsaber that lets him drop through the ground he, anywhere. <laughs> well, he digs somewhere, but we assume he doesn't dig to a place like... Is it just a tunnel? Because then it makes why did no the Winter Soldier just go, just in the go tunnel? into the tunnel? None of it makes any None of it sense. Makes it any is sense. so dumb. It is so dumb. It is so dumb and has no idea. We're getting ahead of ourselves. But it does. It is just so obvious that they were like, man, that chase was really cool when they were writing it. They yeah. were like, yeah, this is great, and they storyboarded it out. And then they thought, but how does he? How do we get him out of here? With and someone in the background is playing Dig Dug on their phone. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, I can dig in the ground. Like, so dumb. So dumb. Minecraft. So, anyways, he digs a square hole in the ground. I think it's a perfect circle, actually. Mm. Well, these are the yeah. important details. Yeah. So Nick disappears into a hole in the ground, and then we cut to Steve coming home after a long day at the museum and visiting his old girlfriend. Um, he also saw the dinosaurs, though, at the Natural History Museum. That was pretty cool. He liked yeah. that. <laughs> he's learned so much. They had to cut all those scenes, but they were really good. They're somewhere in there yeah. in the extended cut. So he learned he's... so much about history. <laughs> One of the things in his book is just dinosaurs? <laughs> Question mark. Um, flat, flat Earth theory? <laughs> <laughs> so he comes home, and his neighbor is outside. And have you ever seen that TV show, Revenge? Oh, I've never TV. watched that. It's like basically like the Countess of Monte, Monte Cristo. Okay. And it's like set on like Long Island. That sounds good. It's it's very good. But that's the the actor, uh, the actress who like is in that plays his neighbor. And she so you're looks like, very familiar, but I have no so, idea who so she is. So you're like, I have seen her in a bunch of TV shows. Yes. So you're like, she is more than just a neighbor. Yes, but she is Steve Rogers' neighbor right and now. And she implies that maybe she wants to be a little bit more than just a neighbor. Yeah, he kind of asks her out. Uh, I think he invites her to use his, his washing machine. And says machine. that she can do it if he, she gets coffee with him. Yeah. And she does not take the quid pro quo. No. Uh, and just For professional says, reasons. Maybe I'll get coffee with you, but I'm going to do my own laundry, thanks. So um, she also, also... how much are we paying Captain America that his building does not have like in-unit laundry as standard? <laughs> like, I assume it's just him. This is a legitimate question about like how much we pay veterans i i assume that captain america is making at least twice as much as most veterans are are getting in i hope so but i'm not confident in our government um in any case so she also comments like hey uh also i think you left your stereo on so he's like okay cool and she goes down to do her laundry and he's like why is my stereo on? Yeah, so he, he sneaks go, around he the sneaks outside. Outside, comes in through a window, and he's like wandering around. We're like, oh shit, Cap's going to get shot or something yeah. terrible is going to happen. But it's actually just Nick Fury listening to... Hot jams. Hot jams, yeah. yeah. In a chair. He looks wor- the worst for wear. I mean, and he just crawled through a hole in the ground up to an apartment building. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> yeah, I'll bet he looks kind of rough. He um he's sitting in this chair and he's basically like like they have a very stilted conversation while Nick uses the notes app on his phone to explain to Captain America that the house is probably bugged and so they can't actually talk about things. Um and Nick is like just about to like stand up and they're about to like maybe leave and go somewhere where they can talk when all of a sudden three shots ring out and Fury takes all of them to the chest. And then he says, don't trust anyone. And he he hands him a flash drive. Because flash drives are really big. Flash drives are huge, dude. Is this a possibility this is the same flash drive? I don't know if it is. I think it is. Okay. There is something about like the lineage of the flash drive and the way that it interacts with computers in this film that I did not fully follow, but I think that's just because I'm dumb. There's stuff about computers in this movie that I, <laughs> makes me think that no one involved in this movie knows how to use a computer. But we'll get to that later. Um, Steve jumps out the same window and starts chasing after the assassin who is the Winter Soldier, but he's unable to catch him. Um, he and Natasha and Maria all take Sam Jackson as Nick Fury to the local hospital, I assume, where he's operated on. No, it's like the S.H.I.E.L.D. hospital because the doctor is like okay. a good guy. Okay, right. So they go to the S.H.I.E.L.D. hospital and they operate on Nick, but they cannot save him. Yes, and so they call it. Nick Fury has died. It's very sad for everyone. Very emotional moment. Yeah, I, I was actually very surprised by it. I was shocked, and then I thought, I actually don't remember Nick Fury being in any of the subsequent movies that I have seen, other than the one where he is de-aged, because it takes place in the past. <laughs> right. So I was like, I guess they can do this. <laughs> I guess they killed I, Nick this, Fury. In a large part, I was like, I'm really surprised that Sam Jackson is not going to take that money, because he could have had that money. But uh, in any case, they kill Nick Fury. Yeah. Nick Fury is dead. Fury, Nicholas J. Everyone is very upset. Yeah. Um, and Steve can't trust anyone. Natasha asks him, what did Fury say to you? And he says, he said I couldn't trust anybody. And then he goes and talks to Robert Redford. And Redford's like, what did Nick Fury say to you? And he's like, he said I couldn't trust anybody. And then Robert Redford is like, did you know that he's the one who bugged your house? And Steve Rogers is like, I guess I can't trust anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but Robert Redford is like, yeah, Nick Fury was a bad dude. Yeah, you shouldn't trust you that shouldn't guy. You shouldn't trust him. He's dead, but like, even if he were alive, you shouldn't trust him. Yeah. And and Captain America's like, all right, I guess I'm going to go take this elevator. And this is one of the best scenes in the movie, I believe. Great scene. And I believe that this is one of the, I think people regularly regard this as like one of the greatest scenes in the entire cinematic universe. Oh, really? I mean, um, it's just a good It's sequence. very good. It's, but it is... As we'll talk about later, I think this movie has a humor problem, and this is actually one of the funnier scenes. Yes. Um, so Steve gets in the elevator that we've seen him get in previously with Fury. And he gets in, and then a bunch of the SWAT team dudes who he helped raid that ship with, uh, the tanker, also get in. And, and some business dudes who clearly aren't business dudes. get in, and like it's getting very, very tense. And people keep getting in the elevator, and you're like... Some of these guys are going to attack Captain America because some of them don't look like they are, but some of them definitely are. Yeah. And Captain America is also getting suspicious because he sees like a dude like um take like you know has his like shaking a little bit and someone else hand has on his like, gun and has a hand on his gun. And another dude is sweating, so he knows that something's going on. But there's also people getting on here like they're not; these are normal people. And then a moment later, the entire like elevator locks down and all of them attack. Captain America. Yeah, and he, before they start, he he says that they can get out now if they want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's Captain America, so they don't do so good. 
But uh, it's a great fight scene, very contained, very well yep. choreographed. Um, it ends with Captain America, I believe, just like bouncing. Like he just like literally jumps through one of the elevators, so. like windows, and then like crashes down using his shield. Yeah. Um, he then gets on like a bike and he eventually escapes, even though everyone, Robert Redford is like, everyone after him. <laughs> uh, but he gets away. So at this point, I don't remember exactly. This is the part where things get kind of slow. So things he meets do. up with Natasha, and Natasha's like, you kind of have to trust me, buddy. And he's like, all right, I guess I trust you. Nick gave me this flash drive. Where can we go to look at this flash drive? And she's like, I know a place. So they go to an Apple store. Yes. Um, other moment of comedy. It's pretty good. I feel like it. it's trying a little bit too hard. It's, and it also feels like product placement. It's, it is product placement. It is trying a little too hard. But the movie needs it. Yes, it desperately needs it. So it, I was okay with it. Yeah. But it is kind of weird because it sticks out a little bit because tonally it doesn't quite fit with the rest of the film. Yeah. So Tony and Natasha are at the Apple store. This guy keeps interrupting them. Trying to help Trying them. to help them because, yeah. He's at an Apple store. He's at, you're at an Apple and store. They're just great places with really helpful staff. Yeah. <laughs> this is product placement. Uh, we have to disclose that we're, this is product we're, placement. We're recording this on a Mac right now. We are now. recording this on a Mac right now. Um, so they uh, they find out, they finally are able to hack into this flash drive on an Apple Store Mac because the Mac is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it hacks the password for them because that's how computers work. And they realize... Yuri Nicholas J. <laughs> there's um, some sort of a shield base in New Jersey that they decide that they have to go to. So they get in a car and they start driving towards this old shield base and they get there and it's like an abandoned army camp. And uh, Cap realizes that it's the army camp that he trained at all the way back in the 1940s. He sees the flagpole. He sees the flagpole. He has a weird memory. Yeah, we actually do a real flashback. flashback. Um, and they find this bunker and they go down into this bunker. And in this bunker is a giant old green computer set up like green screen an, an enormous computer with enormous computer and all these tape machines like like miles of tape machines and then the computer becomes awake they put the flash drive in it they put the flash drive in it this okay, old computer, computer has up. like a usb slot up yes. on the desk which is also weird they put the usb thing into the computer the computer wakes up and it's the weird bespectacled man yes. who was the assistant to Red Skull. This character is like that. It's very difficult to remember who this guy is, but his name is Arnim Zola. And yes, he was Red Skull's assistant who is apparently must have def didn't defect. I assume, No, he was just part like of that operation that we we did this in real life. We took a bunch of Nazi scientists and we're like, are you like cool, though? Because yeah. you're real smart. And, and they so were we, like, we put them to work. Yeah. And so then we had them become Americans. And so he uploaded his consciousness into <laughs> these miles of like tape of tape and is apparently alive. He's in, a robot the machine computer man. And now. like certainly has a lot of personality and just spends a lot of time laughing at Steve Rogers while explaining that Hydra has infiltrated shield and has for uh, been like in charge of shield for a long time. And he explains this by showing them a video, <laughs> which is this like crazy 1990s music video collection of montage cuts. Yes. It is a nine inch nails video, essentially like yeah. so many random like video montages in the Marvel universe. Yes. These are all cut by the same dude, I assume. I don't know, dude. And it, it is just so silly because the computer is like doing voiceover for this. And the yeah. video it is showing is like of turmoil around the world 
and the video is perfectly cut to what the man is saying, yes. which implies that this robot computer man has spent the last 50 years sitting here in like iMovie, I assume, because this is an Apple-funded project, <laughs> cutting together this thing just being like, oh, that's so sick if I put Tiananmen Square right here. <laughs> nice. Nice. Like, it is so silly. Yes. It is. It's absurd. Also, none of it actually looks like it's being rendered on the types of monitors no, that suddenly, are there. It is suddenly a crisp 1080p. And that dude, yeah. well, it's like all, it's all fake bad film, and yeah. like, the guy... His face shows up on the computer screens when he talks, but it doesn't actually like look it, like an old computer screen rendering the dude's no, face. No, it looks like Matrixy, yeah. like the Matrix version, and of not like, even like the like good hard on black Matrix yeah. edges on everything. I just hated the way it's this like looked. if it's it's like a modern DOS visual visual synthesizer. Yeah, it's like a fake version of the old stuff. Yeah, it's bad. So in any case, um, this computer consciousness explains that Hydra has been working within Shield for decades, and Hydra's goals are basically to create chaos, essentially false flag operations within Shield around the world that will get humanity so scared that they'll eventually relinquish their freedoms in order to in order for like a perce- perceived security. That will allow Hydra to take control, like complete control of the world. Yeah. Um, everyone, like, this is when you think back on that, like, minority report shit with the yeah. Hella characters, and we're like, ah, oh, this is bad. And then the computer's like, also, Shield has a missile that's going to be here in three, two, and he's like giggling, laughing because he's an evil Nazi. Yeah, he's and, a bad Nazi. And man. Steve and Natasha barely escape, and they like hunker down, and and you know the building blows up, the computer's gone. Um, short-lived character. Yeah. So, uh, around this time, also, we get a sequence at uh, Robert Redford's home. Nice place outside DC, maybe in Virginia somewhere. And he's just like up in the middle of the night, and he's uh, pouring himself a glass of milk. And his maid is just leaving because I guess that she works late. Um, he's rich. He's rich, and <laughs> he likes the company. And she says, "I'll see you later, Mister Redford." And he says. Bye, and then she leaves, and then he's pouring milk, and then we notice that there is someone sitting at his kitchen table, shadowy. The Winter Soldier. The Winter Soldier. And uh, all of these, I am convinced that these are fake shadows. These are. CG I don't know. Shadows. His face is in a lot of shadow. But, like I, you only see his eyes and the rest of his face. I is, think like, these are practical masked. shadows. I anyway, think you could do it. <laughs> Robert Redford very like calmly sits down and starts talking to him, and we're like, "Is the Winter Soldier here to kill Robert Redford?" Like, no, of course not, dumbass. Like <laughs> Robert Redford is the is the king. Hydra, like he is the head of all of yeah, this. Yeah, he's a bad dude. And he's talking with the Winter Soldier. And he's like, "I need you to kill Cap next." Yeah, he says and he has two like, targets, and they're Natasha, yeah, and Natasha, Cap and Cap. Cap. And we're like, "Okay, Robert Redford is a bad dude." And then his maid comes back in, and he's like, "Oh, Cecilia, or whatever her name was. I wish you, I wish you had just left." And then he shoots her, and that's when we're like, "Oh, he's extra bad." Yeah. Um, Natasha and Steve are like, all right, we almost just got blown up. Who can we trust? And Steve is like, I know somebody. They go back down to DC and they knock on Sam Wilson's door. Remember Sam Wilson? He's the, the uh, vet yeah. from earlier on who also runs like the program. They're like, you know, there's the, the chemistry between him and Steve. Yeah. Um, they're like best friends now. They're best friends. And he's like, you, you're a vet. Like, you know how to fight. We need people who know how to fight. And well, Sam he does. Is, he says, I don't want to pull you back in. Yes. But Sam is like. It's what I'm here for. Like, I'm pretty good at this and stuff. And then is like, let me show you what I did. Let and hands Steve Rogers this file. And Steve Rogers is like, I thought you said you were a pilot. And he's like, I never said that. And you're like, oh. Cut. 
cut to black. Um, we now have Steve and Natasha have like found this Hydra mole who's like in Shield, and they grab him and they're like threatening him, and they bring him up on a rooftop and they're like, "We're gonna throw you off if you don't tell us like everything." Blah blah blah. Um, I don't even remember what this guy discloses. I guess he like oh he says basically that Shield. Um, or that Hydra has an algorithm that identifies anyone who is a threat to Hydra's plans, mm. and the Minority Report guns are going to kill these people. It'll locate them with a satellite yeah. and be able to kill these people, so we're not killing terrorists, we're killing anybody who might be in conflict with Hydra. And so that's, that's like what these helicarriers are Six million are people do. or something it's crazy. A, it's six million people, yeah, or something. It's intense. It's like less than you would think would have a problem with a totalitarian regime, but more than you would want to have die. Precisely. <laughs> Um, so, the, um, Steve is like, all right, like, I guess we're done with you. And then Natasha throws this dude off the roof and we're like, whoa, Natasha, like, you're not that much of an asshole. But then boom, the winter soldier. No. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, the Sam Birdman, Sam. Remember she... So Natasha throws this dude <laughs> off off the building, and we're like, Natasha, why are you killing this guy? And then all of a sudden, Sam, wearing a bunch of metal wings, flies up, holding the uh, holding like their hostage, and like drops him on the ground. And he's like, Ah, we weren't really gonna let you die. Also, I have metal wings. I this can is my fly. secret. I am like a Superman, but I'm also just like a normal dude that the government decided to give these sweet metal wings. Yeah. So it's very confusing. Winter Soldier shows up, though, of course, and he kills the uh, the informant that that um, Natasha and and Steve and Birdman Sam have managed to turn. Um, and a fight ensues. One of the again, this movie is full of great fights. And great this fight one scene. is no exception. Oh. They're fighting like on a highway overpass. They throw Steve through a bus at one point, yes. and like the bus flips, and it is incredibly visceral it's in it's how the i don't know how they shot some of it but it is very very well done yeah um natasha is like being sneaky and like shooting people and is proving that she's more than just a sarcastic quip machine she's also a badass but maybe kind of a hollow character nonetheless because she doesn't really do anything other than that but she does murder but she does murder she kind of likes it she seems to enjoy it um but i think that at the end of the day like it's not going too hot for our for our bros. At one point, Cap and uh, the Winter Soldier are going one to one, and Cap like flips the Winter Soldier over, and his anime face mask falls off. Yeah, and that's when Cap realizes that the Winter Soldier is actually his old friend Bucky Barnes. Ooh, and this is meant to be very emotional. And it kind of, I mean, it was a surprise. Like I actually didn't expect it because I'm an idiot. <laughs> uh, for those at home, Matt just silently nodded. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, take case, from that what you will some of us wept <laughs> the winter soldier now revealed to be Bucky Barnes and co get the, the upper hand on Cap and his friends and they arrest Cap uh, Natasha and Birdman Sam and they put them in like this like Drunk and they're like, we're gonna we're gonna carry you to back to Hydra and everything, and then <laughs> but then it turns out that like one of the security guards in the truck with them is actually Maria Hill, Kobe Smolders from How I Met Your Mother, <laughs> top build in this movie, uh, and she helps them escape through yet another hole in the ground. Yeah, she also has the amazing tool that lets you jump through the plot whenever it gets <laughs> too complex for you. 
And she brings them to a safe house where, surprise, Fury, Nicholas J, still alive. Still living. He's in a bed. He's not looking so hot, but he is still alive. Yeah. They use something to slow his pulse to fake his death. I guess. And then, I don't know, and then brought him here. He's been recuperating in a shitty warehouse. Um, <laughs> um, and then he's like, we can disable the helicarriers. All you got to do is put these chips into them because that is a good way for the audience to know that you have three things to do and can slowly count them down. Yeah. But the problem is that they're going to launch the helicarriers and execute their terrible plan, so you got to go now. We got to go now. Meanwhile, we cut to another shitty warehouse where Robert Redford walks into this separate safe house, bad guy safe house, which really looks just as shitty as, as both warehouses are equal. I mean, they're safe shitty. houses. Safe houses have to be bad. That's true. Um Walks in, and we realize that Bucky Barnes has been getting electroshock therapy in order to rewire his brain and turn him into the ultimate assassin, the Winter Soldier. Well, and he's he keeps saying, like, I knew him. Like, I knew he him. Doesn't, the man like, on the overpass. Yeah, he doesn't understand that he knew Steve Rogers, and Robert Redford literally says, wipe him and start over, which yeah. is pretty screwed up. Like, that sequence is pretty good in that it's, like, messed up, and I like the idea of how inhuman it is. Like yes. I think that that's good. I mean, it's 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 good insofar as that it is commentary on the military industrial complex. Sure, the thing that, that all of these things make kind of like large sweeping commentaries on like yes. the dehumanization of soldiers. Yeah, um, it's very similar to the Iron Man three. Like, what if we could use this technology to yeah. send soldiers back out onto the battlefield over and over and over again? Totally. In any case, Robert Redford's still a bad guy. Bucky still getting his mind wiped. Um. Q third act. We're finally in the third act, folks. Oh my gosh. Uh, our heroes break into S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters where the World Security Council is meeting. That's all those people from around the world. It's like Angela Merkel and some other guys. Indian and- Prime Minister. Yeah. It is It is all of these folks, and they're all meeting there so that they can see the helicarriers come up out of the water, because they're like, this is pornographic, but good. Yeah, I just love watching these things fly. Oh, Show it to me again. It's coming out of the water. I love it. Look, watch that drip. <laughs> Um, so they're all hanging out there, but, um, Rogers, uh, and, and Natasha break in and Rogers gets a mic from somewhere and announces to literally everyone at shield. Like he's at a supermarket and got control of the microphone, (laughs) like a teen in the supermarket. Um, he just announces that Hydra has infiltrated shield and you cannot trust your neighbor. Everyone is like looking around, pulling guns on each (laughs) other. It turns out that was not a very good idea. We see his neighbor who, by the way, is also a shield agent. She was there to protect Steve Rogers. she, She was assigned to protect Steve Rogers the entire time. Um, according to Wikipedia, her character's last name is Carter. Is she supposed to be like a relation of Peggy Carter? Whoa. Is that, it's not alluded to in the film, right? I don't think so. Okay. But like, I know that her character's last name is Carter. That would be pretty wild and a very, uh, Mrs. Robinson situation. Very much so. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's a, that's like unexplored weirdness. Yes. I actually, I kind of wanted to go there. Whoa! I hadn't um, even considered that, but of course that is something that could and probably will happen. Yeah. Whoa, so, God, that's messed up. So in any case, everyone's like, like I can't trust my neighbor, and uh, the Hydra people reveal themselves, and there's like fighting going on everywhere. Um, meanwhile, uh, we have 
Rogers and Birdman Sam start installing the data drives in the various heli helicarriers. Yeah, the Birdman is like maybe the most capable superhero we've ever seen, he's despite being a guy. Straight up overpowered. Yeah, he is flying around. Nothing can shoot him. He's got Uzis that never run out of bullets. He's just shooting dudes. <laughs> the Uzis, the moment when he pulls out the Uzis is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. It's so stupid. It is the most like, like, sixth grader created this superhero <laughs> let's give him metal wings he can flap and also two uzis <laughs> it's just he feels well we're gonna talk about this yeah we'll but talk about god it damn it i hate this yeah i hate it's it so, dumb. so much it's so stupid and, and i know the... this is a movie about a super dude who's real strong and a man with a metal arm and that they exist in a world where a big dude turns green when he gets real mad <laughs> but this guy is somehow dumber than everything else um in any case they managed to shut down two of the helicarriers good work guys Meanwhile, Robert Redford is like, what's going on? And he's been outed as Hydra, and all of a sudden, Angela Merkel turns out to really be ScarJo wearing a face mask. I guess that you can do that now. Apparently. It's like Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible style. Um, so uh, she tears off the face mask and like kicks ass, and like uh, she and the other World Council members are holding uh, Redford hostage, and then Nick Fury comes up, and he's like, surprise, motherfucker, you thought I was dead. <laughs> Uh, like the audience, Robert Redford is surprised if, <laughs> if Robert Redford is me, because <laughs> I am always surprised. And uh, uh, meanwhile, on the third helicarrier, Sam and Birdman, Sam and uh, Steve are fighting the Winter Soldier, aka Bucky Barnes, aka the Winter Soldier. <laughs> and and like things are not going so well with his, his anime self just like wrecking stuff. He tears off one of uh, Sam's wings and then like tosses him off one of the ships. Yeah. And Sam like somehow survives with his one wing. I don't really know. He's like a parachute or something. Yeah. He parachutes down. He that parachutes exactly down. He and then he's he, like, just a guy. Yeah. And then he gets in like another fight with some dude that we haven't even talked about because he's not that important, but he's definitely like a named character in the comic books. <laughs> I'm sure. But he's like, he's like not important at all in any he's way. He's just like movie. the other evil SWAT guy from yes. the beginning he's, he's evil henchman one yeah um so it is just uh steve and and bucky fighting meanwhile back in robert redford's office like robert redford kills the other world council members because their pins were secretly all their lasers. name tags yeah. are bombs are bombs so he blows them all up but of course natasha is wearing one of them yeah and he so, threatens to blow up natasha if yeah. nick doesn't drop his gun so etc cetera, etc cetera. natasha ends up electrocuting herself which surprises fury or no I mean, surprises both fury and well robert and it's redford. an emp so it disables the bomb oh it's an emp because okay. she used it earlier on the winter soldier's arm that makes to disable sense. his arm. I didn't realize that. Thank you. <laughs> I who's the idiot now? <laughs> in any case, I don't understand what is going to happen in the movie, but I'm pretty good at understanding <laughs> what's going on right now. Fury seizes seizes his chance, and he just like straight up shoots Robert Redford a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah. Robert Redford dies and whispers, "Hail Hydra!" <laughs> is yes. his last dying <laughs> because breath. of course he does. And uh, meanwhile, Steve is like, "I won't fight you, Bucky. Remember me." And Bucky's like, "I'm going to beat the shit out of you." And Steve somehow gets away and like disables Bucky. And he gets up and he's about he's got like three seconds left to put the chip in. And he's about to put the chip in, and then Bucky just shoots him from the ground. Yeah, a handful of times. And Steve is like, "Oh." And he falls to the ground, and Steve is like, "No, I have to do this." And like, literally, with like a half a second yeah, left, yeah, it's of one course, of those. It is so. It is so on the nose. It is again. Somehow, these movies are it all is showing, obviously dumb, but it's kind of dumber than the other ones. Yes, <laughs> it is showing like it is showing 
like the 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 computer graphic of like the helicarrier's guns pointing at all like the shield agents, the non-hydra agents in Washington D.C. and they're ready to fire. And Steve like is like, I gotta do it, and he like puts the fucking ship in, and it's fine. World is saved. Yeah. All the guns turn on on the uh, on each other. The helicarriers all turn on each other, start blowing themselves. So the helicarriers are falling ship. out of the sky. They slam into the shield headquarters. Like there's just like mass destruction, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Bucky is pinned by an I-beam inside the bottom of this helicarrier that's crashing. Steve does not just let him die, goes over and frees him. Mm-hmm. And they both plunge into the Potomac. And then we get a really nice shot that I almost wished was just the end of the movie where the Winter Soldier pulls a comatose Steve Rogers out of the Potomac and leaves his body on the shore and walks away. Yeah. And it's pretty raw. It's it would have been an excellent end of the movie. If if this could be like a really dark middle chapter, I feel like you could have done it. Instead, we get a scene where Steve wakes up in the hospital and Sam is there like reading the New Yorker and he's playing that song. What was the music that he recommended to it? Was it Trouble? Marvin uh, Gaye or something? It's Marvin Gaye. Yeah, but I can't remember the film soundtrack. But he's playing Marvin Gaye for him. And then like we get a series of montages set to Marvin Gaye, which would be cool if these montages weren't just like, there's going to be another Captain America. Don't you forget. Yeah. And we realize like some people survived like. Nick Fury remains in hiding as a dead man. Yeah, Nick Fury decides that he's going to go to Eastern Europe to try and track down the rest of the Hydra cells that are out there. So it's kind of like Sam Sam Jackson's probably taking a little bit of a break from these Avengers movies to go on vacation. Um, and uh, everyone, and then basically Sam is like, "Well, what's next?" And and Steve is like, "Well, we got to find Bucky." And Sam's like, "Just tell me when you want to leave." And my wings. <laughs> Cut to black. All right. <laughs> what did you think of this movie? Dude, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea how I feel <laughs> this about movie, this movie. Unlike, So here's how I think of this movie. Um, Iron Man has the highest highs and the lowest lows. This movie has the... Iron Man 3? Iron Man 3 has the highest highs and the lowest lows. Maybe. This movie has the hands down best action sequences oh. i have seen in ages much less in just a marvel movie dude that opening one on the boat so good astonishing so this is like but then like the rest of this movie is dumb in a way that is so anti-thor like thor is dumb in a way that's like self-aware yes and this movie lacks any self-awareness well i can't tell it. It's a jokes, very odd movie. The jokes feel so forced and they feel so set up. They don't feel natural at all. They don't come out of the charisma. And here's my controversial take. I think Captain America is just a boring character. I So I don't think that he is a boring character, but I do think they do a good job of making him boring. <laughs> like, all right, fair. Strangely, yeah. I think that all of the things that they subject him to as a character are actually smart and the right things to do right like the idea that the woman that he loved now has dementia and he is a man out of time they're Good. interesting ideas the idea that yeah. his best friend is also like him but like more outwardly has been dehumanized by the process of being this person good like these are good ideas and somehow they fail to capitalize on them and he I don't feel like he is changing there's, because of that. There's no good character drama. The way that the Iron Man movies are so good at character yeah. drama and the evolution of Tony Stark, it is just, I mean, fair enough. You can say that, like, Cap could say, I'm not boring. I'm just written that way. Like, 
Well, I think that they have the pieces there that aren't boring, but yeah, they somehow, just don't know what to do with them. They don't know they how to don't they don't connect. Get, they don't know how to draw dramatic energy from them. And I, I'm not sure what it is. It's frustrating. Yeah, it I think, is. and I think that that's like the Russos are clearly like upping the game immensely for action sequences. Yes, these and a lot of these action sequences, like I know, I understand why they were calling this a quote unquote political thriller as heinously dumb as that idea is it's it's a great marketing move because this does feel like a much more grounded movie in the action sequences until it ends with like a cgi fest like all of these do where nothing has any weight or is of any circumstance well and and the the real problem is that birdman sam is just a dumb he completely and i i keep coming back to this because we see Tony Stark start out with the Iron Man suit, yeah. and he builds something that you think is kind of plausible, and you're like, I mean, this is insane, right? Like, he's building this in a cave, whatever. But, like, it looks like something that a person might be able to wear, and it doesn't really work very well, and you're like, okay. And then it gets crazy, right? And you're okay with it. Yeah, and this it is, doesn't work very well. It's such a key part of You this. are just presented with this incredible piece of technology that a normal guy, who is just a dude is able to operate to fly around and shoot his Uzis from, and he doesn't even wear a helmet while he does it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what? And the idea that we have Steve Rogers, right? And we're like, you're like a super dude, and you're great at everything. You're not going to get the wings, though. No (laughs) wings for you, Steve Rogers. Like, that makes no sense to me. It just, it, it, somehow, I can't suspend my disbelief far enough for wings guy. I mean... So I kind of like the character of Birdman Sam. Like I think that Anthony Mackie does like a decent. He's like a likable person. I agree. He's Im- he's immensely likable, charismatic. I didn't realize like I've only ever seen him in like a Black Mirror episode, and oh. he's much more like dour in that. Mm. He's just like charming in this. Oh, and but it's good to have a second, veteran friend for him. Yes. Oh, totally. I agree. And from a different time period. The mm-hmm. second he puts on the wings, though. Yes. He kind of becomes like insufferably like competent in a way that is just like irritating. Because um, part of the charm we of don't him, see him grow. Well, and the charm yeah. of him is that he is a normal guy, and his friend who is suffering from the same mental problems that he is is Captain America. Yeah, like so the idea that like Captain America's brain is just totally normal. But his body is crazy. Yeah. And here is another guy whose brain is just like Captain America's, but he's like a normal dude. Yeah. And like that they have the same struggle as like the point of their relationship. And then it's like, oh, wait, though, he's a crazy bird man who can't be killed. <laughs> like, it really undermines that entire connection. And I think that they try to establish that Birdman Sam is not actually as powerful as Captain America by having Bucky tear off his wing. I think that's convenient to kind of like get Bucky and Cap to do their one-to-one showdown. Yeah. But I think that they are also trying to illustrate that like Captain America is still top dog here. He's still like the most powerful superhero in this movie, which just feels kind of redundant and unnecessary. And it just, it, I have the same issue with, with Sam as I do with Natasha too. Insofar as that there's no arc there. There's no, they're one note characters. Well, this one, they did do the stuff and we didn't talk about this, but there's a lot of stuff about like, Natasha, they'll reveal your secret, which is from the Avengers. There's one scene. I'm still not clear who they're going to reveal this secret to. Like the the American American people. people. (laughs) You can never run for president. (laughs) We have like a Russian spy. She kills a lot of people. Also, she has a bad secret beyond that. She's just a paramilitary operative who kills a bunch of people. That's dumb. At the end of this, though, they do have the interesting thing where she's in front of like a congressional committee. Yes. And they're 
talking about how they want to shut shield down shield and dissolve and she's yeah. like well you basically can't shut us down because we can kill everybody yeah which is fucked up also doesn't really touch on the fact that it seems like if they can stop any member of shield she's the one yes yeah she's right there <laughs> yeah like <laughs> and they've got all the dirt on her and she's just a person yeah I and mean, they didn't even give her the wings the biggest issue that's another issue is why didn't they just give natasha the wings why doesn't everybody have the wings the one dude's name is hawkeye <laughs> Um, they should have had a joke about Sam, Birdman Sam being like, I want to be called Hawk. And then Natasha's like, oh, I don't know. About yeah, that would, be that would have been charming. That would have been good. Um, we just wrote I a also, great movie. <laughs> I, just, I just have a real issue with like Natasha's character just being like quip machine, like sarcasm central. I can't central. tell if it's her performance or what. I, can, I can't tell either, but I hate it so much. I don't hate it. I just don't have any affinity for it. I, I think it's I it bugs me. Yeah, it's just well, I like, mean, like, I, I'm just saying that it almost, I'm indifferent to it because the jokes aren't good enough and it's so just, like, dead-eyed that I don't know what I'm supposed to feel from it. I mean, it's it's partially just because she doesn't have any real character. The char- What we know about Natasha is that she's got a friendship with Hawkeye. We, we know about her from the past movies is that she has a friendship with Hawkeye. She did something bad. She, she did something bad at some point that, she, do- that we, she doesn't want everybody to know about. Um, she's, she's very sarcastic. She's very and sarcastic. And she, she kills a lot of people. And kind of enjoys it. And kind of enjoys it. That's all we know. And we've seen her in four movies at this point. I like, guess so. Like, we've seen her in more movies than any other than, side character. Maybe any other character. Because she's always a side character, she's never given an actual chance yeah. to develop. And that's so frustrating to see a character over and over and over again, and they're the same one note thing, and that note isn't even any good. Yeah, so here's an interesting thing that I've also noticed about this movie, and this is the first time I've felt this, and it's funny because it's completely the opposite of what I expected to feel when we were watching these movies. So one of my complaints about these movies was always like, it's crazy to me that I go see these movies, I don't know these characters, right? This is the first time, though, that I felt like this movie actually suffered from not having more characters in it. Because mm. they're like a TV show, but then they are kind of standalone. So they always are kind of like, going, we got to catch you back up yeah, a little bit. And this movie exists in a world where S.H.I.E.L.D. is under attack by Nazis and they don't call Tony. Yeah. And like they reference Bruce Banner and Tony Stark. Like they exist in this world. They say their names. Tony built the the engines that the helicarriers. Tony issues. built the engines there's for the helicarriers. There's a great line about like how a reference to the, the original Avengers movie about like yes. how he got up close and personal with one of the old the engines. turbines. Yeah, the old turbines. But yeah. then so okay, so Tony did that. Did they tell Tony what that was for? Yeah, would Tony have agreed to? Tony built a weapon. I thought Tony's thing was that he didn't build weapons anymore. Exactly. There's like there's like a lack of acknowledgement of the larger universe that is necessary to keep this self-contained. Yes. That ends up hurting the larger universe as a result and the individual. It starts to feel weird. It didn't feel weird until now, and now I. It feels very hermetic. Like there's essentially what is amounting to what appears to be like maybe a terrorist attack on Washington D.C. And why is Tony not flying down from New York? Right. To like deal Tony with this? sees stuff like this occur. He sees Cap in trouble on TV. Why is he? I mean, we know that Tony can get from Nashville anywhere to, anywhere. to Florida in 22 seconds. Right. So where yeah. where are the other people? And like maybe they're occupied with their own stuff. Like I kind of can get it, but it's just odd. And oh, you know what though. I wonder, okay, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting us. No, to go point out, This movie definitely takes place after Iron Man 3. I wonder if Tony has hung up the mantle. 
So he's just not Iron Man. So he's just not Iron Man. I but wonder then if that's where's the Bruce Banner? And can where's Bruce... Hawkeye? Hawkeye was supposed to be in this movie, and then they cut him. Um, <laughs> R.I.P. Almost... Jeremy Renner for this one movie. Almost as though they don't need the character of Hawkeye. Uh, in any case. Um, yeah, I don't know. This movie just, like, it doesn't seem... I feel like so many people told me that this was the Marvel movie that you should see if I, you just yeah. want to watch one Marvel this movie. This is the one that and everybody they, says, like, they this always and say, Black Panther. It's the, and they always say, like, it's just like a 70s thriller. And I'm like, do people really love, like, Three Days of the Condor that much? Like, also, it has nothing to do with all the president's men. This movie is nothing in common with no. that whatsoever. That is, like, a laughable conceit. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. Like, but it's a brilliant marketing, but a laughable conceit. Well, and the idea of it being about, like, the surveillance state and all this stuff is pretty good. But then but the then realization the... of it isn't there. The man in the computer is not a good villain. No, it's the dumbest thing. Like, it's so it's, stupid. It's just, and it all ends with, like big explosions and people fighting like everything is still going to be solved via violence and there's nothing wrong with it it's an action movie yeah and it's a very good don't pretend it's a political thriller right just because there are politics in the movie does not make it a political thriller Well, and it's objectively like outside of politics in the, this weird way where all of the political organizations in it are non-existent. Yes. It and is, it like is, shadowy. It is non-partisan in the greatest degree yes. insofar as that there is no partisan in this world. We do see that Gary Shandling, it turns out this whole time when he wanted the Iron Man suit, okay. was also a Nazi. But we don't know whether Gary Shandling is a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent. And it doesn't matter because we can't make statements like this because it's not an actual political movie because it doesn't have a fucking political stance. <laughs> it's just a dumb... At, at most, you could say that it is critical of the Obama administration's use of drone warfare. Sure, sure. It's... And I think that that is the timely statement that it is trying to make yes. and make poorly. I mean, it's just... Because, it is what because it is. basically, Shield is okay with killing foreign op- like uh, foreign terrorists, like pre sure. Well, and I think that the, the argument whatever. is like we all are. Yeah, right. We're all complicit. Yeah, kind of. You think you're better than Robert Redford? <laughs> <laughs> Every wrinkle on that man's face tells a story. <laughs> um, but uh, it ah. I really expected to like this movie. I think that when people say this is the one that you'll like. There's two things happening there. One, they think that your objection is that these are movies for kids. Yeah. And this movie does not feel like a movie for kids because it is a violent ass kill people movie with like serious action chops. So if your concern was like, Iron Man, the thing where the guy's got the PTSD and the drinking problems for children. Like, <laughs> okay, I guess that this one is not for kids. I mean, I guess they're like, there's no men in capes, but this guy, this anime guy does have a metal arm. <laughs> yeah. like, like, I think that there's some sort of like weird um, conflation of maturity and violence oh, 100%. happening there, which... You know, okay, I guess. Like, it's shot darker than the other one, so it gets your dark night on. And maturity and vague political, yeah, like, well, posturing. Similar to the dark night, right? Surveillance yes. state, dude, what punches people? Sometimes it's nighttime and he punches people, and he punches people, and he's got a code, but sometimes he just wants to kill him, but he's got a code. But, but, who like, is, but who is, like, my favorite part of the dark night was the surveillance state commentary. <laughs> I assume Christopher who, Nolan. Who is like the Bush, po- the Bush politics, like of yeah, the dark. That's night. the part that holds up. That's that's what I remember most about that movie. I don't know. Like <laughs> the, things are worse than ever. 
I'm with you. I, it's odd. I, like, frankly, I think that that's what I come down to is like the whole thing is kind of odd. The, the response to it, the feeling that this is the good one is really weird to me. Um, and that's not to say this is a bad movie because it's not. But I, I just kind of don't even know how I feel about it. I mean, that's, that's going to be a problem because pretty soon we're going to have to <laughs> figure out how we feel about it. <sighs> I guess here's the question. Do you like this movie? That's the thing. I do like this movie. I just don't think it's a good movie. That's exactly how I feel. I think it's a bad movie that has parts in it that I like so much. Yep. That and this is the opposite of Iron yep. Man three, where I actually think that Iron Man three is a bad kind of, movie. Is kind of a good movie. I think it's a bad movie. <laughs> I but so here's the difference. This movie has no emotional core to me. There's absolutely nothing in this movie that like just like the first the first Captain America. There's nothing I care about in this movie. It has overtures toward it that are stronger. It makes attempts, but they just don't hook up for some reason. No. Iron Man, the Iron Man movies always consistently, and maybe this is just me, but like they always consistently connect with me on an emotional level. Yeah. And this one doesn't. The most recent Thor movie didn't totally connect with me on an emotional level, but like I like the stupidity uh-huh. and the grandiose operatic dumbness uh-huh. of Thor so much. I'll tell you what, man. I feel like watching this made me like Thor the Dark World more. more. Me too. <laughs> me too. Because it like it's like self aware. It's self awareness. Yeah. I will always give points to self awareness. I agree. And I think and that this that the lack of acknowledgement of how dumb the guy with wings is in this movie, the fact that like Steve Rogers is just like, Oh, cool, you fly that. Sweet, I guess. Like I, it, there's unlike, no Unlike Iron Man Three, there's also no like laughably bad parts. Like Iron Man Three has like Guy Pierce breathing fire. For oh, no he does breathe and fire. This, this movie is just dumb stuff where you're just like, "That's dumb." Yeah. Not stuff where you're like, "That was fucking dumb." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what it is is that when Guy Pierce, bre- <laughs> it's hard Guy, to say. Guy Pierce. When yeah. Guy, Guy Pierce breathes fire, fire. Uh, it feels. Like, we both were like, what the hell was that? <laughs> like, we both said that out loud. Whereas when the wing guy shows up, you just kind of go like, oh, I guess that guy's got wings. Huh. Why doesn't Captain America have <laughs> yeah, wings? Yeah, like, and then you just start to, like, get distracted by how it doesn't seem to fit. The logistics of it. Yeah. yeah whereas I never worry about the logistics of Guy Pierce breathing fire because it's just dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb. And it doesn't matter. He does not. He doesn't do it again. It's just he's like, gonna die. Yeah. Like it's fine. Um. All right. I think the time has come. All right. Read us the list. Where Where do our rankings stand? At number one, we have Iron Man, the first Iron Man. Number two, we have Avengers. Number three, we have Iron Man three. Number four, we have Thor: The Dark World. Number five is Captain America. Number six is Iron Man two. Number seven is Thor. And then at number 23, we have The Incredible Hulk. Okay. So this movie is definitely better than the first Captain America. Oh, yeah. But is it better than Thor <laughs> the Dark World? <laughs> oh, I feel like people will question our credibility, which is sterling at this point. But we also have to go with our hearts, right? I had more fun watching Thor the Dark World. I... I think no. See, the problem you know is I, and I think about the action scenes in this, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> put it in number one. Okay, I think I had more fun watching this, but I respect Thor: The Dark World more 
as a film, I think, which <laughs> is really is, weird to say. That is the, the speech of an insane man. Um, I, you are right, though. Like, there's something that Thor: The Dark World has that this movie doesn't have, I agree. and it really elevates my and love. Yet, yeah, I think about that action sequence on the freeway where he's thrown through the bus. Oh my god, dude! And it's like it's like three separate shots, and it's just like beautifully just like, constructed. It feels like getting punched in the chest. Yeah, and the sound mix is so good. This is the first time that I've noticed on my speakers something like really moved from left to they, right. There was a lot of stereo separation. Yeah. There's that one thing. I forget what it is. It's like a shield throw or something, and it goes across the stereo space. And mm. I, it, as we were watching it, I was like, this is the best sound design I've seen in years. Like, yeah. It's perfect. It's very good. I wonder whether we have to give this fourth place. I think we have to, based on that exact conversation we just had. Yeah. Like, there's no other option. All right, man. I feel good about that. I do too. I think this is right. It's just I I I do really I love our contrarian take of Thor the Dark World, which is like everyone prepped us to believe that that was going to be the worst movie. Yeah. And then it was incredibly charming and fun. like lovely and yeah, fun yeah, movie. Fun movie. And then everybody told us that this was just going to be like the movie. Yeah. I actually before we watched this, I was like Having not seen this, having seen like the first five minutes of it on an airplane and then falling asleep, I I genuinely thought, well, if anything's going to take out Iron Man. That's what I thought, too. I thought this was going to be the one. I was like buckled in for the great adventure. Yeah, so was I. And uh, maybe that anticipation gave this movie short shrift, but yeah, I don't know. All right, so here's the new rankings. At number one, we have Iron Man, the first Iron Man. Number two, we have Avengers. At number three, we have Iron Man 3. At number four, we have Captain America, the Winter Soldier. At number five, we have Thor, the Dark World. At number six, we have the first Captain America. At number seven, we have Iron Man 2. At number eight, we have Thor. And at number 23, we have the Incredible Hulk. All right, Matt. This is our longest podcast to date, but it's time to talk about those post-credit sequences. Um, all right. So the first one, we get some like old Nazi guy. I don't remember. Can you tell me about this first one? I don't really yeah, understand so, it. Well, it's just really simple. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> there's like a there's like a German Nazi guy, but he's like yeah. in modern the modern world. I think it's just like other Hydra dudes and okay. they've got Loki's staff. They've got Loki's staff and then Which we see Which is one of those things where I'm like Wait a minute. You're telling me that Thor picks up Loki at the end of Avengers and doesn't go, "Now where's the, the stick?" <laughs> I know you had What'd it. What'd you do with it? Because the staff went down with, um, or I guess we last saw it on that ship. It doesn't matter. Somehow the, the Hydra got the staff. But also, but it also, occurred to me for the first time that the staff itself probably holds an Infinity Stone. Oh, VGP. Yeah, Very which I point. hadn't thought about. Yeah. And I bet you that all of these post-credit things now have to do with Infinity Stones. All right. That's the good point. Um, they not only have the staff, but they also have two X-Men, which I don't fully understand how that works, but they have Scarlet oh, yeah, Witch they and do. Quicksilver. I honestly kind of forgot that part happened, but yeah. yeah. I don't know how they got the license for these X-Men, but uh, those are two X-Men characters. Yes. Who become part of this, I think. I believe so, too. Yeah. They have uh, the Scarlet Witch and, and Quicksilver, and they're like captive. I think that those are, si I think they're siblings. They're like ex-siblings. Sure. Um, so that's our first post-credit sequence. I thought it was not that great. I honestly. agree. I thought it was kind of weak. Yeah, I totally agree. But I actually really like the next one. Yes. I don't remember the next one. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you said yes as though you... 
I don't know. I'm just on board. Uh, so in the next one, it. we just see Bucky Barnes oh, right. goes to the exhibit. It's a nice echo. At the Smithsonian that we saw Steve Rogers at earlier. Yeah. And he sees the plaque for himself uh, where it says he died. reads about his history, basically. Yeah. So Bucky Barnes is now catching up on the past 50 years. Right. So then he opens up his little notebook. And it says, <laughs> flat earth? Question mark. <laughs> uh, but I like that. I it's a, it is a, it's nice. It's a nice little echo. It is a textbook sequence. stinger, yes. also because it does. It is the Winter Soldier will return, and it does like more character building. Yes, than much of this movie. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so yeah, I thought that that was pretty good. But yeah, the the opening. It's not true. the opening post credit was yeah kind of boring. Uh, so next up we have Guardians of the Galaxy, which is going to be bar none. I've seen this one, and it is. I have not seen this without question. The oddest of these so far it's going to take the most risks in my opinion it does it a little too safely at times oh but like it is it is very weird i can't um, wait yeah i think it'll be it'll be interesting and I'm, I'm very curious to get your take on that well guess what we have a podcast for that very oh, purpose thank God. 